my existence is mostly on the internet and the site I ended up landing after several years is a mostly LGBTQ plus community of writers. So I've known a lot of non-binary and trans people, probably around half of my friends are some flavor of trans. Hello, and welcome to Non-Binary Gender Scholarship and Experience. I'm Phoenix. And I'm Zenon. And we'll be your hosts for today. We're almost to the end of our podcasting adventure with this episode and two more left before we're finished. That clip was Dr. Brainer reading for Splash, who described the role of the internet in their gender experience in our panel discussion. Because I'm void punk and autistic enough that I have trouble talking to people verbally, I exist far more easily on the internet and my gender is far easier to portray on the internet than it is in real life. Mildly off topic, but I do find it annoying when anyone says that internet friends are less of your friend than anyone you know in real life and interact with physically, since my entire social interaction is on the internet outside of my immediate family. Not everyone exists effectively outside of the internet, and it's a great way to adjust past that inability. Splash's perspective on the internet illuminates what a tool it can be for non-binary individuals who have difficulty expressing their identities in what most would consider real life, especially for neurodivergent individuals like Splash. During this episode, we'll take you all through the unique and nuanced experiences our panelists shared about their interactions with other non-binary folks on the internet. We'll also discuss research about non-binary experiences on the internet and how that research informs us about our panelists' backgrounds. The online platforms we'll discuss today aren't the only places on the internet where non-binary individuals gather and interact, but they do represent many, if not most, non-binary spaces on the internet due to their structure and operation. For example, Facebook isn't a gathering place for non-binary folks because its structure alienates their experience. In 2014, Facebook updated their number of gender categories from 2 to 58. Although this surface change appears to be inclusive of individuals with diverse gender identities, Facebook's database still collapsed these various categories back into a binary system for the sake of their algorithm. Therefore, non-binary individuals could not benefit from the same matching processes that Facebook uses to connect people with similar interests and identities. This left them isolated in a system not designed to facilitate their use of it. The platforms we're going to focus on today have a more decentralized structure that allows individuals and small communities to form spaces with rules, structures, and procedures that fit their needs. These include LiveJournal, Reddit, and Tumblr. Let's start with Biff telling us a bit about his experience on the internet and on LiveJournal in particular. So yeah, I was very much an internet kid. It was way easier for me to find people to talk to on the internet, especially, yes, absolutely lying about my age. I am glad that it was then and not now because I should not have been allowed on freaking internet. <laughs> my parents got me a laptop for myself way too early. But no, at the same time though, like I was talking about earlier, I was able to have a lot of really awesome, deep, nuanced discussions with large groups of people where everybody came into it being like, everybody means well, and we're gonna, we just wanna talk about this, like as people. It wasn't as tough to find people to like kind of start at square one. It wasn't new to us because we all understood the terminology was new, the language around it was new. The ability to actually have discourse about it was new. We were very clumsy, but we were able to be clumsy because of the space that we had intentionally created in order to have these conversations. And that was online. My first Philly friends I met through that community. My first trans friends I met through that community. It was live journal too. Please tell me some of you were alive for Live Journal. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Phoenix. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Cool. 
See, I'll, so you remember Live Journal, though. That was a space where you just kind of let it all hang out because you could, because not that many people were on the internet like that. So for anyone who doesn't know, LiveJournal was a blogging platform in the early 2000s. Most people, from my recollection, basically just used it as a diary, but it was also like early social media in the way that you would share your live journal with your friends if you wanted. Although at the time it was seen as much more anonymous and private, so it was viewed as a really authentic representation of users' emotions and experiences. I think Biff's phrasing of the benefits of having the space to be clumsy is key in this. It can take making some mistakes when someone is navigating their gender. However, Biff continues by talking about how the internet is no longer as safe of a space as it once was for non-binary individuals. Everybody's on, on the internet now. You can't have a Zanga, a live journal. You can't just have a, a public diary anymore. There's way too much out, like that can be used against you in very harsh ways. There are literally groups of people who are mobilized to attack trans and non-binary people on a daily basis. All day, every day, they are watching us and trying to find out where we live and who they can contact to ruin our lives. The internet, but also love the internet. This mixed experience of the internet is further complicated when considering individuals who might not spend quite as much time engaging with internet communities. Take Julia, for example. I wasn't really on the internet, I guess, in like queer communities. Like I didn't have a Tumblr. I didn't really have Twitter or Instagram. I really only used it to like talk to my own friends, I guess. So I never really like found like an online internet community. That doesn't mean I didn't meet cool people on the internet. I did have spaces where I could talk about these things freely and like it's a dangerous place, but it's also a safe place, you know, you can talk about what you want, but also it's like, don't get hacked or something, but it's not like the largest influence on my life. Reddit is a place where many people find community without the larger commitment of setting up a live journal or Tumblr page. Redditors only need one account to post in and interact with various communities called subreddits. One study published in 2017 examined how r slash genderqueer provided a space for non-binary individuals where their identities were accepted and affirmed. This community supplanted the traditional binary man-woman system of gender classification with two systems of their own. One placed gender on a spectrum from masculine to feminine, including five points of masculine, masculine of center, androgynous, feminine of center, and feminine. Another system classifies users simply as man, woman, or non-binary to be inclusive of those who identify in ways incompatible with the masculine-feminine system entirely. Using these classification systems, individuals with similar identities came together to discuss how they express their gender through physical presentation, as well as how their identities influence their broader experiences with others. So as well as Reddit, we also have Tumblr. Tumblr is likely the most prominent social media platform to affect non-binary genders. It's used for microblogging and images, and it is known for being one of the more customizable social media pages. Tumblr was LiveJournal's stepchild, like honestly, because what Tumblr did was it focused more on visuals than on text. And LiveJournal was pretty much like, you could put a photo in like if you could put in the HTML code. Tumblr was like a, also like a natural progression though from LiveJournal. There are some research sources we found that attributes Tumblr use as a direct form of gender identity construction through community tags, bio boxes, and other ways to try out and display gender. This level of diversity allowed non-binary people to curate the discourse and gain traction. 
This virtual identity curation could then intersect with offline interactions in conjunction with the increased visibility of non-binary identities. This is basically a modern parallel to what Biff mentioned earlier about meeting his first transgender friends through LiveJournal. Do you think you can still be clumsy on the internet or do you think there's like too much of a, a tie-in to like it coming back to you sort of thing? Yeah, that's definitely a really interesting question because you do hear all the time about people saying like, oh, well, be careful what you put on Facebook because employers or for younger folks, college admissions are all going to look at that later, right? And there are companies that make their whole business off finding the things you deleted from Facebook to tell people about them later. So I feel like there is that kind of clumsy space, but only if you can be very careful with how you present yourself on the internet to really try and divorce your online presentation from identifying details that might like let people trace it back to you. Right. Yeah. And especially even if it's not, you know, really massive consequences like employers or academia or anything like that, even just like no matter what you put on the internet, no matter how careful you are about it, like if you're in certain spaces on the internet, you might get ripped apart for something that you didn't even realize was like relevant, you know, to what you were saying. So I'm sure it depends on what platform you're on too. I'm sure it depends, like Facebook is probably one of the worst ones for that of like anything you put on Facebook, you are gonna have some some pushback on. But I'm sure there are still enough anonymous spaces of the internet like Reddit or like Tumblr, as long as you're, you're like, careful that you're not leaving that trail of breadcrumbs. But even if it doesn't get connected back to your kind of offline identity, there is still just that like, yeah, like the embarrassment of like, yeah. even if it doesn't have offline repercussions, it's just like hard to ask questions sometimes when the questions are ignored for the nuance. You know what I mean? For sure. No, I get that. And the anonymity really does have like an interesting effect on people in mm-hmm. a lot of different ways. Because like on the one hand, yeah, anonymity can make you more comfortable opening up. Although also if you can't connect things too closely to your personal experience, it can also almost be like alienating. Yeah. Not only can it be alienating like for the person, you know, let's say the subject of our hypothetical sort of thing, but I think it can also be alienated as people are responding. Like the way that people respond to a stranger on the internet is totally different than they respond to like somebody in a group on the internet, even like, uh, you know, somebody in a candle making group, like, oh, well, I don't know these people personally, but at least there's some sort of something that makes me uh, a little more kind in how I assume their intentions. You know what I mean? As opposed to just a completely faceless, nameless sort of thing where it's just like, you know, you can be as critical as you want, so. For sure, and without something to like cushion that alienation from the people you're talking with, like people can do a lot of really nasty things when they feel anonymous. Oh, absolutely, right, absolutely. For example, that's why uh, the hoods were such a big thing with the Klan. Right. People are comfortable doing whatever they can as long as no one knows that it's me doing Mm -hmm. it. Right. Right. So it is this double edged sword of like the level of being anonymous on one hand is like a positive thing because, right, it does let you kind of navigate issues like gender. But on the other hand, like, right, it can also. Right. Exactly. Like you said, there's a reason the clan wears hoods. So it is very much a double edged sword. Yeah, for sure. Fantastic. So a couple of our main points today. The internet provides non-binary individuals with globally connected spaces to discuss their experience of gender that could not exist as physical places. And these spaces serve essential roles in non-binary individuals' lives as places to discuss and experiment with their gender identities early in their journeys, while also finding community to support them as they continue living their non-binary identities. 
And that's all we've got for you. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you back next time.